welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope everyone's having an awesome week. This is episode 125 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast, and I am so glad to be with you. This is Jessica. It's been a good week for me. Uh, We just got off of spring break and Easter, and I'm just feeling good when the weather is good, when the blue sky is shining through, and I don't know, things just look up. And so I feel like I'm in the best place possible to open up to you about something that I have been doing in my own life that I think might be interesting to you or liberating to you, maybe inspiring, but I'm not going to jump out on a ledge that that's where we're going to go with this. But I wanted to tell you something I've been doing that's really helped me a lot in hopes that maybe it can help you as well. So the title of the episode is exactly what I'm going to be talking about today. And that is why I go to therapy. Now, I've always been somebody that is very quick to say yes, definitely, and affirm somebody else's choice that they should go to therapy, right? If I think that, or if they think that therapy would help them and I concur, I say, yeah, you do that. Oh, there's no shame. Awesome. You're amazing. You're trying to be the best version of yourself. And then I have these voices inside my own head that are like, well, maybe you could really benefit too. But then I come up with the laundry list of reasons why I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have, I don't really need it, could it really help me, you know, all of those types of of doubting type questions. Those just pop up immediately in my head. And you know what that probably means? Probably means I should go to therapy. (laughs) It's true. I want to first say that therapy is not just for people that are crazy, that have Um, a significant mental disorder. Yes, therapy is for those people as well. But I think therapy is also an amazing resource and tool that moms can utilize and women can utilize in order to kind of work out the things that are going on inside of their heads that may not be getting aired anywhere else. Motherhood can be incredibly isolating and we can be inside of our own head a lot. Perhaps you were in a job before you became a mom where you felt really good about the job you were doing. Maybe you were getting a lot of positive feedback. Maybe your your work was being seen by people and recognized and even applauded. Motherhood a lot of times doesn't look like that. And so as we are embarking upon the greatest job in the world, the most important job in the world, a job that is so incredibly important and weighty, gosh, it is overwhelming to think, what if I'm screwing up these kids? Am I doing a good job? Am I a good enough mom? It seems like they're doing a better job over there in their house and that mom never yells and their mom always cooks dinner and that mom's president of the PTA and she runs five miles every day and she's doing this and I'm not. That comparison trap really can just suck us dry. And so, in turn, as we are taking in those messages and feeding that type of narrative in our own mind, we're constructing these stories that are not accurate. And the purpose of therapy for many people is to kind of 
bring to light and allow these negative, well, let me say that again. Let me rephrase that. It's not just the negative thoughts. It's the incorrect thoughts, okay? So maybe there might be some negative things in your life. Maybe there are some things that are not going well for you and you do want to change those things. It's not just that you want to like say, oh, no, 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 that's not a big deal. I'm actually fine. No, sometimes it does take some correction. But you want to bring to surface the things and the truths that you've created in your own mind, whether they're actually true or not. You've created truths in your mind. You've created what you know to be true. And sometimes those things are accurate. And sometimes those things that you think and believe and feel every single day are not accurate. So when you are operating every single day based upon a set of truths that may or may not be accurate, obviously that's going to take a toll on your life. And so I've always been kind of prone to anxiety. I've always cared a lot about what people think. Um, I'm a people pleaser by nature. And, you know, to some degree, it's fine to want to make other people happy and to put other people first and to show that we care about them and go the extra mile for people. That is not the problem. The problem is when it comes at the expense of your own self and your own well-being. And sometimes it comes and really infiltrates your family as well as you're being sucked dry. That is where the problem lies. When you feel like you need to be something for somebody else, when it's not really truly authentic to who you are or what you're thinking or what you're truly motivated by. If you are serving others, but you are doing it begrudgingly and wanting it and doing those things for attention or for applause or anything like that, you're going to be let down because sometimes the things that we do every single day go unnoticed. And so when we're seeking that type of affirmation, we're going to be let down. And so as somebody that's prone to anxiety and worry, and I open up this book, um, a workbook called Mindfulness, and I'll link to this in the show notes at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. But my therapist recommended this book and it's been great. It's a book called Mindfulness. And the introduction says, you know, some people spend a lot of their time rehearsing and rehashing. Okay, what does that mean? Rehearsing means anything that's about to happen or go forward, anything you're anticipating, any conversations in the future, any events in the future, just life in general in the future. You're constantly rehearsing what that's going to look like, not in like a powerful manifestation mind gym (laughs) type way, but in a way where you're actually so anxious and worried about saying and doing the right thing that you're overly consumed with the preparation for future conversations or future events. So that's rehearsing and then rehashing is going back over the past and that means that you are so worried about things that you did or said or look like or whatever that are in the past and you're just going over those things again and again. And I can't tell you how many nights I've lied awake with my mind just spinning, rehashing the day. And it's not even necessarily bad things that happened or or things that I did that I thought were wrong. I'm just constantly spinning my wheels and going over and micro-analyzing every single interaction I had during that day. And I'm thinking, could I have said something better? You know, did I come off in the right way? Are they judging me? Are they still thinking about it? And that's exhausting. And it's unproductive. And especially as a mom who needs so much energy and mental space to pour out, not only to themselves, but to those around them, to their children, to their spouse. Nobody's got time for that. 
right? Nobody has time to be wasting so much energy on rehearsing and rehashing. And you know what else? When I am rehearsing for the future and when I am rehashing the past, I am not present. I'm not. So when I'm reading with my boys or playing with them or even when I'm just, you know, reading a book for myself, my mind is drifting off and I'm going either to a place in the future or a place in the past. I'm not just able to enjoy the future. And so in addition, um, in the past, I have had the anxiety to the point where it's kind of bubbled up and I feel it a lot in my chest and I'll feel uh, like my heart is escalating in its pace of beating and I just feel like I can't really take a deep breath. Can anybody identify with that? And anxiety feels different to people. Um, you, can, you can feel it in your stomach. You can feel it in your chest. You can feel it all over your body. You know, it's different for everybody. This is just how it manifested itself to me. But when I'm in an especially anxious place, you know, the triggers that set off, um, you know, things that are leading to potential panic attacks or things like that, it, they're not really truly significant events or things. And sometimes it's even surprising to me the things that will kind of set me off in this downward spiral towards an anxiety prone event. Um, but that just shows me that I'm kind of in a place of instability and in a place where I am not operating at my highest level, a place of clarity, a place of, of peace. I'm not there. I'm not there because little things are setting me off and conversations that I shouldn't be thinking about after they happen because they truly weren't a big deal. The fact that I'm analyzing and feeling like I should apologize to somebody because I wasn't at like level 10 energy and I was just kind of subpar energy when I was talking to them. I don't need to apologize for that. Sometimes we're at a level five energies that just happens <laughs> I shouldn't have to like justify that to anybody else but that's where I was going that's where I was feeling and so the reason I'm sharing today about my experience with going to therapy finally is I first want to people to see this as normal you do not have to have a significant mental illness to attend therapy um I want to destigmatize it. I want to normalize it. And I want you to be proud if you do go to therapy. If you feel like there's stuff that's helping you out that you've learned, I think you should share it with other people because guaranteed there are people that have thought about going to therapy that maybe want to go, that may not have the means or the time, or they may be just resistant to that type of thing. But they could really learn from your own experience. And it's been really interesting because since I've started, I've been going for two or three months now. Um, and it was every week and then now it's every other week. And since I started going and since I started sharing with people um, with a lot of confidence that I go to therapy and it's been really helpful to me, people are so curious and they want to know all about it. And I think that is, is really indicative of the need for normalizing this. On the outside, you might look at my life and think, gosh, she has three healthy boys. She has a great husband. You know, she lives in a great place. They have a good job. You know, like I, I have all the puzzle pieces together, right? Everything's going great. But that doesn't mean that my mind is immune from creating these stories that are inaccurate. It doesn't mean that I am not judging myself on a daily basis because I'm striving to be what every single other person wants me to be. And you know what? Nobody wants the same thing from me. And so as I'm trying to keep up with being everything for everybody, it is a physically impossible and insane task, right? 
And so when I'm so caught up with what people think of me, I can't just be the same version of me even if I was perfect. Like I still wouldn't be liked by everybody. So I've got to give that up. And so as I have been down this journey and as I've been sharing that I've been in therapy and that it's been so helpful and so clarifying, at first people are surprised that I go to therapy because they think, why would you need it? That's really surprising. You look like you have your act together. You're so confident. You're so outgoing. And sure, I do come across like that, but that's all part of it. That's all part of kind of, I don't want to say it's a role that I play, but that's kind of how I know how to operate is just in this happy, happy mode all the time. And so I, I want to be transparent with the listeners. I want to be transparent with my friends. I want to be transparent with my family. I want to be transparent with anybody that looks at my life to realize, yes, I am blessed beyond measure. I am so grateful for what I have. But also there's so much that I want to work on. And I'm only 33 years old. There is so much life I have left to live. And I want to do my very best to live and breathe and dwell in a space that is authentically, not just happy, but joyful and authentic and peaceful and far more accurate than the life that I'm living and the thoughts that I'm thinking right now. And so, like I said before, I had always kind of been prone to anxiety. In addition, postpartum, I'd suffered from some postpartum anxiety. Um, I'd, you know, randomly start crying in the middle of Target unprovoked. And I'm like, well, where'd that come from? <laughs> that's not, that's not normal. But I mean, I was busy. I had babies to care for. And so it was hard for me to seek out um, professional help at that time. And if things are more significant than you just randomly crying in Target, I definitely implore you to seek out professional help. We have lots of mental health issues um, and episodes on the podcast that you can you can look up um, in our May month of last year. And those are so helpful, other women being transparent about their own mental health journeys. And so I think we should never, ever be adverse to just because we don't, we feel like we don't have the time that we shouldn't go seek help. You should. But also the thing is, because we often do not voice the things that are going on in our mind or or we're not even that aware sometimes of the way that we're thinking or the stories we've created in our head. Unless we really take the time to dig deep and think, well, why do I think so poorly about my body? Why do I, you know, rehearse and rehash every conversation that I have with my friends? Why am I falling in that comparison trap so often? Unless we're really digging deep and getting honest with ourselves about where those things are coming from and is it true? Is it accurate? Is it based on something? Or can I rewrite that narrative? narrative. We have to take the time to do that first before we can fix it. These things are not going to be clarified and resolved on their own. We have to do the hard work. And perhaps you're able to do that just personally by, you know, reading some health self-help books or saying some prayers and and really making a concerted effort to meditate whatever it is. Perhaps that's it. But perhaps therapy would be a great step for you as well. We can't realize what's not normal in our own mind until we let it surface, until we can vocalize it. And it wasn't until I told my husband, well, every single night I'm rehearsing every conversation I had during the day. And he's like, uh, that's not normal. And he didn't mean that in a mean way, but I didn't even realize everybody doesn't do that. I didn't realize that. I thought, of course, everyone's like going over their day. 
No, you know what my husband does? He's dreaming of the future and not in a re- in a rehearsing way, but he's like dreaming big and thinking about how he's going to achieve those goals. He's thinking positively and proactively. And I'm just stressed out. <laughs> Maybe that's where my sleepwalking comes from, right? Um, and so Brene Brown talks all about this in her books, both Daring Greatly and Rising Strong, both two books that I would definitely recommend. She talks about the storytelling. She talks about how our minds crave storytelling, but our mind does not care whether the stories are accurate or whether the stories are based on lies. And so whatever information we choose to cling on to in our own mind, it's just going to become intertwined in our mind. And that is becomes our truth. So whether it's actually true based on true facts or not, it becomes our truth. And so what you'll probably find to some degree, maybe it's to a very small degree or maybe it's a very large degree, is that your life has created a, a web of stories in a way in a web of truths and you've created this life for yourself based upon these truths and so how you view yourself how you view your husband how you think people view you how you treat your children how you parent how you work how you do everything is all based upon these truths do you like the truth that you're living do you like the life that you're living Is it a life where you're truly able to soar and grow and live out your your happiness and your dreams according to your own wishes? Or do you feel like it's being infringed upon by negative thoughts or by incorrect stories that you created in your mind? If so, therapy might be for you. At least it has been for me. And so what do I do in therapy? I'm bringing those thoughts and those stories to the surface. Why have I always had a very negative self-image? For me, I've always looked young. I've always been short and small. And so I've been viewed as not a very like desirable person. Like in high school, I never got asked to dances. And people would like pat me on the head. And I always just felt lesser than all my beautiful friends. And so regardless if anybody would ever tell me, oh, you're pretty or, oh, you look cute or whatever, it would never really sink in. And so it's gotten to the point where even now as a grown adult, I can look in the mirror and not see what my husband is telling me, that I'm beautiful, that I'm attractive, that I'm an awesome mom. I don't even let that sink in really because I feel like I had years where I had evidence to the contrary. And it's and it's hard to relate back those incidences in high school and maybe for you even younger where it's like, I'm 33 years old. I'm a grown woman. Pull yourself together, Jessica. How can you not like believe the things people are telling you? Like you're smart enough to know and hear things and know if they're true or not. How come you can't actually believe them? And I've gotten to the point where there are things that I know are true. I know they're factually true because I have evidence of it now in my life and people have told me it or I've seen it, but I still have a hard time believing it. Knowing it and believing it are different. Knowing it is knowing something is true. Believing it is putting it into action, okay? And so I've been unable to put those those thoughts that 
I, I look fine <laughs> with my post-baby body. I am beautiful. All those thoughts. I have a hard time actually putting that into action and living that out every day, feeling confident in those truths. And so it's been amazing to be able to say out loud the thoughts that I think and for the first time sometimes realize, whoa, that is not true, but that is a belief I currently have. I want to change that belief. And so therapy for me has been really empowering in helping me to change or start to change. It doesn't happen overnight, but recognizing that that thought exists is the very first step. And then the second step is then working towards believing something different and putting that into action. And so um, I want to be aware of what I'm thinking. I want to not only be aware of what I'm thinking, but why I'm thinking it, and then how is that influencing my actions? You know, so much of how we live is not just what we do and what we think, but but like the motivation behind it, right? And so you can you can be a mom all day long and you can do all the right things. You can show up for your kids all the time. You can play with them. You can cook them dinner. But if you are doing all those things from a place of, of martyrdom or a place of obligation or a place of I need to do these things because that's what I'm supposed to be doing or that's what I should be doing or that's what our family should look like or that's what a good mom does. That's not really allowing you to live your most authentic, beautiful, full self. And even if your kids and your family is doing mostly great, long term, I really believe they start to feel the effects of your own negative intentions and self-image. If you are not truly filling your cup, if you are not truly taking care of yourself and your mind and operating from a place of true truths, (laughs) it's going to catch up with you. And at 33 years old, I want to make the change now. I don't want to wait until I'm 50 or 60 and then start becoming more self-aware. I don't want to change my story then. I don't want to wait I want to be proactive and change the stories now and have the rest of my life come from a place of authenticity and correct narratives so that I can make the most of this life. We're only giving this, given this one. I want to make the most of it. When we're unaware of the way that we think, we are limited to our own predispositions. Now, I'm not in therapy because of my parents. They did not do anything wrong. They were amazing, amazing parents. I had the most amazing upbringing. And I mean, according to, you know, media and society today, you would not think that my upbringing would lead me to be in therapy, right? Okay. (laughs) So just saying that as a disclaimer. So perhaps you had an amazing life. You had all the opportunities you could have ever asked for. You were not wanting for anything. You were loved. You were well taken care of. Your needs were met. That does not mean that you as a person do not end up with some incorrect thinking in your mind. It can be very small events that occurred in your life that create these stories and these webs that kind of get tangled up and lead you down a path that is incorrect in your mind. Um, Or it could be something big. It could be something where your childhood was challenging or you faced things in your life that led to some incorrect thinking and some hardship and some trauma. And for that, therapy is 
critical, critical to overcoming and understanding those events. But even if you had a charmed childhood and a charmed life growing up like I did, that doesn't mean that therapy is not for you. Okay. And so, like I said at the beginning of this, I've always been a proponent of therapy for other people, (laughs) but I've always thought, well, could it actually help me? Oh, I just don't have the time. And so I kept putting it off. And it was actually my husband that was like, Jessica, you have to take care of yourself. You are operating on faulty information. You are doing so much good in the world and in your life. And, you know, so much is going right for us. But if you are like suffering in your own mind to any degree, whether it's anxiety or depression or just because you need to get some stuff out, having that third party be there just to be a sounding board and to listen. A lot of times I come in and she doesn't even like tell me what I need to hear. She will ask me questions to prompt me to think. I really believe that everything we need to know is within us and we have our own answers. And I believe that's because we have a natural connection to God. And if you're a person of faith, you that connection is very, very strong. And so as I pray, those answers and those, those promptings and those ideas do come to my mind. But in addition to that, I think the Lord has given us therapists. <laughs> and for me, the person that I've been seeing has allowed me to rethink about things in a new way. And then it leads me to new conclusions. And as those new thoughts surface, I walk away from each and every session having at least one huge takeaway that I think about for the next week or two that really kind of changed the way I frame my thinking and change my actions and my thoughts. And it has been truly amazing. I was reading this book, not one that I necessarily recommend, but it was a book about um, personality types. And what I did like was that it came from a Christian perspective. And he wrote about how the more self-aware we can be, when we're striving to be our best selves and understand who we are and who God created us to be, that is when we are able to be the person God wants us to be and he's able to use our life in the way that is most magnified for his glory. And I thought that was so amazing. If we are settling for a subpar life, um, an inaccurate storytelling mindset, when we're settling for martyrdom, when we're settling for a certain version of ourselves that we know maybe is not the best version, but it's okay, it's good enough. When we're settling for that, we are not truly living up to our potential. I believe that God created each and every one of us for his divine purpose, to bring about his glory, to further his kingdom. We are amazing human beings created in his image we've all been given unique talents unique gifts we've all been put on earth at a certain time in history for a specific reason if you today are settling for a subpar existence you are sorely missing out on the life that God wants for you. He wants the very best for all of us that does not mean we're going to be immune from challenges nope nope And it's hard sometimes. And we don't want some of the challenges that are thrown our way. We don't get to pick our challenges. But that being said, the challenges in our lives can be some of the most refining that we have. 
So while it may have been hard being patted on the head in high school and not being asked to dances, when I may have faced some hard things in my life, and even though it created some false beliefs in my own mind and some things that now I have to work through, I'm not a lost cause. It's not not worth it. Those things that and those challenges are the things that refine us. Those challenges and the refining experiences that we have are the things that round us out into a beautiful stone. We go from rough around the edges to a beautiful stone as we are worked through this life. <laughs> sometimes we feel completely worked over. Or like Alison Faulkner says, she feels like a pinata sometimes. She's just being struck again and again and again. And sometimes we feel like that. But first, those things don't last forever. But secondly, Sometimes there's residual stuff from those beatings and we need to work through them and we need to acknowledge them. And so whether you feel like therapy is right for you or not, it has been right for me. It has been such a great experience. And not only that, just having an hour alone where I get to talk about myself. (laughs) How often do you get to do that? I mean, it feels so burdensome to unload on a friend sometimes. Yes, it's wonderful to have a good friend that you can be honest with. But that feels a little taxing sometimes. Like, oh, I'm sorry that you're taking up so much of your time and you're not paying them. And, you know, you're paying this person for an hour to listen to you, to be kind to you, to be respectful to you, to not interrupt you. You've earned that right? So even if that's your only hour during the week where you're uninterrupted and you can just go, it is, it is incredibly indulgent and, and wonderful. And it has been such a huge blessing in my life. So if you've been considering therapy, I'm not here to tell you to go or not go. All I'm saying is that for me, Going to therapy has been a wonderful experience. It has been so eye-opening. It's been so empowering. I have learned so much about how I have the tools and the wisdom within myself to know what I need to know, to make the changes I need to change in order to live the best life possible. And I'm excited about that. I have so many years left to go with these new mindsets that I'm developing. And that is incredibly encouraging to me. And so I'm excited. I hope you can hear my smile (laughs) through the microphone because I really do feel excited about that. Um, You might wonder, how did I find my therapist? I just put something out. I'm on um, a mom's Facebook group in my area, and I just put out, if anybody's ever dealt with anxiety or if you're a mom and you go to a therapist, does anybody have a recommendation in the area who accepts this um, insurance? And so I had some people write back, and then I um, sent out an email to those people those therapists and this was one of the ones that emailed me back and I felt like was a good fit they had an appointment when I needed it boom so um also it's kind of hard to find a good therapist sometimes and so if you start with a therapist and you feel like it's not a good fit don't be afraid to shop around you really want somebody that you feel comfortable going to and look forward to going to you know it's not always easy well it's never easy bringing up hard topics it's never easy confronting um, your weaknesses and things like that but it should be a pleasant experience and so you want to make sure you're going to somebody where you feel validated and heard not just that they're telling you what you want to hear but somebody that you feel like you can truly trust and that is really listening and wants the best for you if you don't feel that from them even from the very first visit try another one 
just try somebody else because there's lots of people with different personalities and different strengths and everything. Um, and they specialize in different things. Some are specifically, you know, anxiety or depression or mental illness, things like that. Some work a lot with PTSD. Some work with people in the military. Some people um, focus on marriage and family or just marriage and, you know, all of those different things depending upon your needs. Find somebody that fits with what you're looking for. And so even though I love my gal, it may not be the perfect fit for you. So just ask around and ask people that you might trust. And chances are there's people that you know that are going to therapy that just don't quite feel comfortable airing that to you. Um, But if you're proactively asking, hey, do you know of anybody? Have you heard of any names in the community that are a great therapist? You might be surprised with who has some resources (laughs) for you. So... Anyways, thank you for listening. Um, I've been wanting to do this episode for the last month or so, and I just felt really compelled that I share this message. Perhaps you've been on the fence with, you know, considering therapy or considering talking to somebody or making a change in your life. In addition to actually attending therapy, there's lots of books. I'm going to link to these in my podcast notes on extraordinarymomspodcast.com. The Mindfulness Workbook, Brene Brown's writings are literally like therapy in a book, (laughs) especially Rising Strong. Oh, I love Rising Strong so much. Um, It's about grappling with your emotions and really stepping out after you've you've faced some hardships. Um, So, so good. So I'll link to some other great resources. Another good one is The Four Agreements. That's another one that can really help you to clarify your thinking and to to focus in on, on your values and your truths. Um, but I love you. Thank you for listening today. I've been a little bit rambly. Hopefully it's been helpful. Um, but these are just the things that I've been sharing with my friends, um, locally lately, and they've been really interested and asking a lot of questions and really eager to hear more about my experience. And I think because a lot of people don't talk about going to therapy that it leaves us kind of wondering like what's actually like, and, um, you know can I feel good about going or do, does that mean that I'm crazy? And I'm here to tell you, it does not mean that you're crazy. Therapy is for everybody who wants to be better, to feel better, to live better. And that is me. I raise my hand. I want all of those things in my life. And I already have a great life. I already have a lot of self-awareness. I'm really great at identifying these things in other people. Now it's time to work on myself. And I am excited. I've already seen so much growth and so much change in myself, even in the last little bit. And I'm excited to see where this can go because I truly want to be the best version of myself. And I want the same for you too. Because when we're the best version of ourselves, that is when we can be the very best mom we can be. We don't become a cookie cutter mom. We just become our true, authentic, best version of a mom for our children. And that doesn't look the same for any two moms. So thanks for tuning in. This has been fun. I've loved chatting this morning and I hope you've gotten a lot out of it. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Jessica Dahlquist three or on Facebook at extraordinary moms podcast. I don't post that much unique stuff there. Do you even like that? I don't know. It's good for Facebook live. Um, but yeah, I hope you're having a great month and I'll see you next Tuesday for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.